listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Welcome, everybody. I'm Darby Anderson. I am the home groups pastor here at Real Life Church on the Palouse. This is our super youth pastor, Emmy Salisbury. We're excited to be here. Um, I am excited to uh, not be wearing a hoodie. Uh, not be wearing soccer sweats or baggy soccer shorts and not wearing slippers. I, I feel like a t-shirt, jeans, and shoes is dressing up for me <laughs> these days. So, um, yeah, as, as we're coming out of this quarantine, as we're moving uh, towards a new normal, we keep on hearing those words, new normal, I believe that the disciples were going through that since the resurrection, like the resurrection, Jesus rose from the dead. And not only did he raise from the grave, hundreds of other people rose from the grave. And like, that's got to be messing with their heads. Like, what is this going on in, in this new normal? And so we're, we're moving some of our stories from there. We've had some interesting conversations like what now? You know, these, these questions that we've been wrestling with the last few weeks. And, and even last week, I loved the, you know, the apples being unturned. How do you like these apples? You know, how do you not like these apples? It's a really good conversation. Then Marty grappling with the purpose and meaning of life. And, and really that's something that I've been doing. I've been grappling with, okay, you know, I, I'm, we moved here in, in June and then right around December. So before quarantine and all that stuff, I'm like, all right, what's the next thing? Because it took a lot of work to move. It took a lot of work to unpack. It took a lot of things. I'm like, all right, God, what's the, what's the next thing? What is that next thing that you want me to be doing? And even this week, I've been struggling with it. And, and I'm excited because I felt like God spoke to me in the process of coming up with this, with this sermon and what we're talking about. And what I felt like he was saying is be a disciple and be making disciples that that you could be about a whole bunch of things you could be busy being and doing a lot of things but being a disciple and making a disciple and so we're actually going to be talking about the great commission and that's what that's our topic today is, is the great commission and the the title is going with influence like how do we what is going with influence how does that relate to being a disciple and making a disciple and so Marty talked about his personal mission statement, and my wife and I, uh, we celebrated our 20-year um, anniversary just a couple of weeks ago. Woo-hoo. That was the other day I wore actual pants <laughs> and <special>. shoes <laughs> and, and no sweats, no shorts. Anyway, we, we dressed up for our takeout meal. Um, but, but Melissa and I, we, we have this mission statement, and our mission statement is... The idea that it is our passionate desire to know and enjoy the presence of Jesus and to make that joy of his presence known to others. And so, so we come to this great commission. We come to this thing and, and we come to it with the idea of like, okay, how does the great commission tie in with real life? How does it tie into what we're about as a church, as a church body? How does that tie in? And so, when we, when we do that, I want us to think of our vision statement, and our vision statement is a common thing. We've heard it probably before, and we, some of us could maybe even rattle it off. If you know it, you put it in the comments, like, what is that vision statement? But, but our vision statement is to reach the world for Jesus, 
one person at a time. And maybe you've heard that before, but do you know the mission statement? The mission statement would be like the chassis or, or like if you're looking at a building, it's the foundation, the driving thing, the, the thing underneath reaching the world for Jesus is creating biblical disciples through relational environments. And here I am, the home groups guy. Here I am talking about this thing on the Great Commission. And if we were strategizing and the Holy Spirit was involved, we may have missed this. But, but, for, but here we are. I'm excited. So we're going to hit three points, and you could find those three points in your notes, or you could maybe find them on the screen. But, but as we hit these points, um, I'm going to give them to you up front, and then I want you to listen for them as we read the Great Commission, and then I want you to be listening for them throughout the sermon. So... The first point is the commission of Jesus is the mission of real life. So the commission of Jesus is the mission of real life, point one. Point two is discipleship is being influenced by Jesus and intentionally influencing others. And the third point is go and be passionate influencers. So I want you to be looking for those as I read through this passage known as the Great Commission found in Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. And it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mount where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Very end of the age. And so, Emmy, you're going to do some unpacking of, of this passage and how this passage ties in with our vision. And Absolutely. Here at Real Life. Yep. So if you know me, I love context. I feel very strongly that we have to take these these uh, scriptures and put them into the place that they belong. It's a real people, real place, real time. And we need to know where they are at, what's going on in the culture around them that, that sets this scripture on fire to be able to understand it more. So here we have Jesus has told his disciples to leave Jerusalem. This is where they're at and go to the Galilee. Well, Jerusalem, to these people, this is the holy place. This is a place where, where people would go and seek out to find God. Where are those places that we go maybe every week to do holy things, to be surrounded by God? Maybe it's this building. God, Jesus is saying, okay, you have to leave Jerusalem. I need you to go to the Galilee. The Galilee is known for being the center of politics that's also known for kind of this, this clash of kingdoms. So we have this Greek uh, lifestyle, we have this Hebrew lifestyle, and they are at war. And people are having a hard time understanding which foot to plant their, their feet in, in in these lifestyles. So Jesus says, all right, I need you to, to leave this, this holy place and go to a community that maybe looks a whole lot like where we're at in Moscow on the Palouse. And he says, go to the mountain. We'll go to the mountain, the mountain. There, there's a couple options. There's a couple high hills. There's a couple mountains, but the mountain. It could be Mount Arbel. It was proposed to me that it was uh, Mount Hermon. What's so significant 
mind-blowing about this being the mountain. This is the same mountain that Jesus was transfigured on. This is the same mountain that God commissioned Jesus to go do his ministry. So here Jesus is calling his disciples to come see him, come visit him on this mountain. There are two things that really stick out to me in this scripture. The first thing is that there's action, but there's this follow-through that, that Jesus tells the disciples to go, and they're like, oh, okay, that's 160 miles. This is quite a trip. Tell me to do walk 160 miles. I'm like, cab, where are you? I don't really want to go, but this is brilliant because in this going, this follow through, the disciples are like, all right, God, Jesus, we're, we'll follow 160 miles. And along the way, it's this amazing field trip of memories that we saw Jesus do that here. We saw Jesus do that there. We met a new Jesus. We saw a new miracle at this place. And now they go to the mountain and when they're coming back, they have a different lens in which they see what they just walked through with Jesus in this new experience. The second thing is that some of them doubted, but they went anyway. That's huge. That's mind-blowing. How many times in my life that I have doubted my walk or my calling or God's faithfulness, can I trust you? God says, you're still commissioned in spite of your doubt. That God is going to, Jesus is calling us out of our doubts and to walk with him anyway. I love that. We see that, that doubt in the disciples, it's acceptable. But action, it has to be followed through. We have to be able to, to take a step of action. Then Jesus gives the disciples a couple of instructions. First one is to teach. He says, you guys gotta, you gotta teach people about who I am, what we've experienced. You and I get to do this by reading the word. We get to allow the scriptures to sift us and to change us. See, Jesus isn't asking us to go teach the Bible. He's asking us to teach of our experiences through the Bible, through living with Jesus. Then he says, you got to baptize. This is this renewal, the washing of the soul to return back to your original design. Then he says to disciple. This isn't saying, I need converts. This is the come and follow me relationship. This implies that, that you and I are going to follow our rabbi, Jesus. And it is through you and I walking out, living for Jesus together, that through success, through failures, through life, through the holy mundane of every day, that we're going to be discipling and disciples of Jesus. And, and when we we think about uh, discipleship in Darby, you're going to kind of break this down for us a little bit. There are there are things that we could check ourselves out of feeling like we're qualified for it. And there there is no formula for discipleship. There is no timeline. There's no boxes to check when it comes to discipleship. Discipleship simply is relationship. It is living out my relationship with Jesus in a relationship with you. As I was preparing for uh, the sermon and just praying, like, what's a simple thing, God, that what is discipleship? And he gave me this wonderful picture. I was looking out at my yard and uh, I saw all of my beautiful flowers that I put there on purpose. But then I see these little yellow pesky dandelions that are in my grass. And I was thinking, it's so nice after my kids mow because they chop those yellow dandelions off and I don't have to see them. Everything just blends in. 
And God impressed upon me that that's exactly discipleship. See, behavior modification goes out and mows the sin, the bad behaviors off of my kids. And I'm like, okay, we're done with that. I don't want to see it, but it still grows back. Discipleship goes out and sits in the grass and says, why is that weed there? What do I have to do to get to the root to make sure that that's no longer a thing in my kids' life? That's discipleship. That, that's how we go through life with our kids, our spouse, our coworkers. There's this intentionality that we sit and we figure out the root of whatever's going on. And, and so we, we think about the commission that Jesus has now given to the disciples and, and what has God impressed upon us at real life uh, to live out that commission? And we do that through our mission. Do you guys remember what it was? Extra credit points, put it in the comments. Gold star for the day. Creating biblical disciples through relational environments. So there are key words in this as well that I want to just touch on. The first one is creating. It implies that there is something is being made. There is energy putting forth into creating, crafting, developing this thing. What is this thing that we're talking about? Biblical disciples. Simply put, the biblical disciples, again, it's discipleship that it's us looking more like Jesus. When Jesus tells Peter, I will make you fishers of men. Come follow me. It's not me making somebody. It's allowing Jesus to come along again with me in the holy mundane of my everyday life. And he's the one doing the work. We have to have Jesus be a part of this discipleship process. This brings us to point number one. The commission of Jesus is the mission of real life. See, Jesus called those disciples to out of Jerusalem, out of the holy places, into our communities. Jesus is asking us to get out of our holy places that we set apart for, for holy things, holy purposes, holy people doing holy things. He says, I need you to get out into your community. And when it comes to discipleship, there are a lot of things that I feel completely disqualify me. There's a ton of fear. And Darby, you are probably one of the best people I know that lives out real-life, everyday discipleship. And, and so would you just share with us kind of what your experiences are, uh, what they've been in discipleship? Yeah, and there's there's a lot of people that, that have this idea of, like, I can't be a disciple. Like, maybe they are imagining, like, the the, the Sistine Chapel and the painting of, of this person with, like, this halo around their head or this, like, aura, and they're like, ah, oh, and then... The, if you read the text, these people were normal people with normal problems, just like you and and I. But there's a lot of things that we use to disqualify us. And I want to debunk some of the myths, some of the fears we have, so that you can feel like not only can you be a disciple, but you are a disciple. So, so one of the things I'd like you to do is so... If, if kids are running around or whatever you need to do to get a quiet place or to calm your heart, I'd like you to, if you want to, you can close your eyes, whatever you need to do. But I'd like you to think of a person that has influenced you or inspired you in such a way that you are who you are 
partially because of their influence and inspiration on your life. So, so maybe it's a teacher. Maybe a teacher said something to you or saw something to you or even taught you something that like all of us, they, they taught chemistry in such a way that it became super exciting to you. And now you, you work at, SEL or whatever, or whatever, that there's something that inspired you that, that now you are who you are because of that influence by the person who inspired you. Or maybe it's a parent. Maybe, maybe your parents spoke some things into you, saw some things, and, and maybe that, that you want to emulate those things and you want to be like them and you find yourself actually being like them. And, you know me, I love the sports analogies. And it's like, hey, okay, you showed up and you're like, I hear the I can'ts. I can't even dribble. And you're like, okay, but we're practicing and I'm going to show you. I'm going to impart to you the wisdom of how to dribble. And not only can you dribble, but next week, the following after some practice, you're going to be able to dribble and chew gum at the same time. And then not only that, but you're able to dribble, chew gum and teach someone else how to do this skill. And so, so you're actually able to participate and not feel disqualified. It's the same thing with discipleship. So many times we think it's beyond our reach, like it's too hard. And another analogy that I, that I think sometimes work for people. So, so if you are an adult and you go to work, then maybe at some point in time, your boss says, Hey, I'd like you to apprentice. As this. And so that, that, that word discipleship maybe is scary, but apprentice we get like, we're like, okay, what do you want me to do? Well, I want to teach you how to be a shift manager, for example. And so like, these are the responsibilities. These are the things. And they take you along and you do them with, you get instructed how to do them. Then you actually do them with the, your boss. And then you, your bosses supervises you while you do it. And then next thing you know, you are able to manage people and you're, you, you've, you've grown into this thing as you apprentice. And so maybe if you use the word apprentice, then maybe discipleship takes the edge off a little bit. But I've heard so many times one of the biggest disqualifiers that I hear from people, but I don't know everything. News alert. If you knew everything, you wouldn't need to be discipled. You'd be God. <laughs> and none of us do. And so that's not a disqualifier. The, the reality is, is none of us know everything. None of us know all the answers all the time. And the beautiful thing is, is that's not a disqualifying thing. That, that when we see here, it's not so much what you know, but who you know. And you may have heard that phrase, but in discipleship, that is super true. It's not what you know, but who you know. And if you know Jesus, you know more than enough. You can be influenced by him and be influencing others, which is discipleship. So I want to use a verse, uh, Acts. I would like us to look at a verse, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. And so it says here that when they saw the courage of Peter and John, and the they there, that they are people with diplomas who say they're really smart and know a lot about God. These guys have diplomas in hand going, hey, look, I'm smart. I know a lot about God. These, the they, saw that the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled. They didn't have a diploma. They were ordinary people. Like real life, ordinary people. Phew! There's a chance for us. 
But the thing is, is these, these really smart diploma religious people, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. It was the being with Jesus that qualified them, not the I know every trivial pursuit Bible answer. It, it's, it's they knew Jesus and had been with Jesus, had been influenced by Jesus, and now they are influencing even the people with the diplomas saying, look, I'm smart and know a lot about God. So it's not knowing everything. It's knowing Jesus and being close to him and knowing him well. And another lie that I, that I hear is, is that I, I really couldn't disciple someone else. But the reality is you've been doing it all along. You've been doing it all along. If you're a parent and you all of a sudden found yourself being a homeschooling teacher and you're like, uh, I don't know how to teach. And you're like, whoa, whoa, I'm four pages ahead. <laughs> I got these four pages and okay, I'm not even four pages ahead. What does this say? Read it. Read it out loud. And they read it out loud as if you knew. And you're like, okay, cool. Let's figure this out together. And so it's that influence in the moment relationally of, of, of being there in the moment. And, and it, it, it's, you can and it does happen. Jesus's influence on our lives is the same influence we use to impart to others. It's, it's, we, we receive it and we give it. And, it, and it's, it's cool that, that he's given us everything that we need. And at the end of the Great Commission, it says, and I'm with you always to the very end of the age. How is he with us always? He's given us his very self through his spirit. So I want to read John chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. It says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And the cool thing there is like, oh, I have try hard. How do you become a try hard? No, it's be with and remain with and let him produce that fruit in your life. And, and as, as we mentioned that he never leaves us or forsake us, forsakes us in verse 26 and 27, still in John 15, it says, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. So he's given us his very spirit, his Holy spirit to Enable us to be influenced and to influence others. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. It's not, oh, you graduated. You did your four-year degree. Here's a paper. It's, no, you were with me. And that being influenced by Jesus is what enables us to influence others, which is our second point. Our second point is, so, so that big word discipleship that may freak us out is discipleship is being influenced by Jesus and intentionally influencing others with that influence. And, and there, there's some, some things that we have called home groups that we are able to meet in these relational environments, right? 
And, and there's some things that, that, that may go, who is this for? Like, is this just for certain people? Is this just for, you know, why did Jesus pick those people? Like, who's it for? Who do you think it's for? Well, ultimately, it's for everybody. We are all given this call. But I missed something. I left something out on the, the commission and the mission. Did you guys catch it? Going. This is huge. This is so many implications to our God-given call. It is our going. You and I are charged today, right now, in this moment, as we are going to go and make disciples. It is not tomorrow or when you feel more qualified or when you feel more spiritually mature. It is not for more wisdom It's not for the older people to do it. It is for you today to disciple. I love how all of our conversations the last six weeks, they've brought us to this moment. Let's recap just a little bit because it's very important that we remember where we've been. Josh talked about the temple and how Jesus's message was so completely revolutionary because he came and he said, the temple system is done. I'm going to come to you and impart my spirit upon you so that you can go and be the living stones that you are now. The veil was torn when Jesus died. His spirit came out of those holy places that we talked about and rushed into you and I. It, it's, it's now our responsibility to go and be that temple. It is your God-given call that while you go, in your going, to disciple. There, where you're sitting right now, the people that you're sitting with, maybe you have pictures on your refrigerator of people that are most important to you. Those are your people. That's where you go. That's first that you are a living stone called to go out and bring the presence of God to those people. Then Josh and I talked about getting out of our boats, these places of comfort zone that we find security and, and we're just doing life in. And Jesus is on the shore and he's saying, hey guys, come over here. Jesus is calling us out of the boat to jump out with both feet and pursue him and relationship. Then JT had this brilliant analogy of the apple cart. And I had to giggle to myself as I thought about the apple cart. What's on it? Wheels. It's made for movement. It's made to go. You are to take those apples that you are intentionally putting back into your apple cart with you. Your influence. We pray discipleship is in your cart. It goes with you. It is in your going that this mission and commission is lived out. Then Marty, I love what he had to say about just legacy. What you're doing today is your legacy tomorrow. And the influence that you leave today is your legacy. So it is your going today, right now, that we are called to go out and live, to make disciples, baptize and teach. It, it's... It's in the messy places, it, 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 trying to embrace culture like they did in the Galilee. These two living in the tension of, of Hebrew lifestyle and Greek lifestyle. 
What tensions are you living in? Work, family life, friends, wherever you go, that's your influence. You know, the kingdom is completely going to explode that while we are in our going, living out our mission and commission, as we teach people what the Bible, what God is doing inside of us, as we remind people of their God-given design, and as we disciple, we just allow people to experience our life with us, God's kingdom is going to be set on fire. Look. At the building, 1428 South Blaine. It's empty. Now look around you. The place where you are sitting right now looks a whole lot more like a church than the building these four walls could ever look like. Today, you could do church You can disciple. You can teach where you sit right now. See, Jesus told the disciples to get out of the religious system, to get out of Jerusalem and go into a a community. We want to commission you to go. Go to your community. The, The first place that it happens at home, and I love this scripture in Acts where it talks, first and foremost, it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's essential to discipleship, to creating biblical disciples. You have to have the Holy Spirit working in you and through you. Then it says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What this looks like is it looks like us taking stones and dropping them in a puddle, and we see the ripples. See, Jerusalem was a a very specific spot, and then you'd go out a little bit farther, and that's Judea, and then Samaria, and then the ends of the earth. Jesus is calling us to start where our rock hit the puddle first. That's our homes. Maybe the next ripple is your work or school. Maybe the next ripple is where you go to have fun, extended family. You are commissioned. We give you permission to get outside of these four walls and go do ministry, make disciples. I just, that's such a, a cry of my heart, especially for me as a parent where I have been discipling my kids the last six weeks. There's been more intention. We've made it a purpose to have discipleship in our home. That's been wonderful. My prayer is that that has been your experience too. Darby, there may be people that, that aren't surrounded by people or friends or family. They need these places. They need relational environments and they need to be able to practice how to make disciples. And we have that for them. Mm-hmm. In our mission statement, creating biblical disciples through relational environments, the home groups are where that is an intentional thing that we, we have set up. And so if you haven't been going to your virtual home group if you haven't been like that and, and my hope is is that as things open up that we have viewing parties with our home groups that we have that we are doing real life together that 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 our churches look like 10 and under or whatever 10 people and under and then maybe 20 50 however big your home group is if it's 50 we need to talk it's too big anyway <laughs> but no matter how big that group is that that you're actually doing those 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 real things and those real things happening with 
people. And so if you're not connected, it's important to be connected. Discipleship does not happen in a vacuum. It doesn't happen on all I need is my Bible and Jesus. No, that is not the method Jesus used. It was 11 guys, 12 guys at first, and one of them blew it. Anyway, but it, it was these, this relational environment. And so, so Jesus, before he rose, before this revolution thing, before we we're talking about this new normal, he called them to remember something. And so, so we're going to be taking communion here. And if you, if you have those elements nearby, go ahead and gather those. But, but one of the things that unifies us, it's important to be unified. Um, but, but he did it and there's 12 of them. Jesus and the 11, right? And so, so he takes communion. And so we, we come to the communion table here and it says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's remember him together. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is now the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's remember him together. So Lord Jesus, may we, real life on the Palouse, may we take seriously your charge, your commission to be on mission with you. That we would be being influenced and be intentionally influencing others in the power and strength of your spirit. May our going be empowered in such a way that your name gets lifted up, that your fame grows, that your kingdom would come here on the Palouse, that it would come in us and through us in everyday real life ways. Lord, we pray in your powerful name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.